Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Phoenix Handlebars, Fox Racing, especially up here in Canada, as well as Alpine Star MX. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With me on the line, he is a repeat offender. His, I believe, is the second or third time on the podcast now, Evan. Evan Nystrom from EN Lifestyle Performance. What's up, buddy? Hey, man. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, uh, round number two. Here we are. Round two. Gloves are on. Here we go. Uh, conditioning coach. And before we get too far into this, we need to like stop the record and talk about Derek Kelly. Recently starting to work <laughs> with none other than yourself. And by no coincidence, also knocks down his best professional best finish uh, this past weekend in Atlanta, an 11th spot for him, uh, a guy who we've seen in the past, is, he, he's not brand new to Supercross or Motocross for that matter, uh, but you've taken him to new heights. How did you start working with the guy and how did you unlock some potential that everyone knew was there? Yeah, absolutely. So I met up with um, Derek through another rider, which I was working with, um, and Brian Marty, who's actually going to be, he, Brian Marty's been out. Um, this season, he's going to actually be racing this weekend at Utah for his first race this year. Nice. But through, through Brian Marty, I got linked up with Derek down in California and I'm up in Washington. So the way of which I do my programming for these guys is all through an application and everything. So I'm able to get them what they need, um, and what they want ultimately while being, you know, remote. And so with Derek, we started off pretty good got into a program it was pretty early i want to say it was like december he uh had a couple spills as it happens in our sport and that kind of derailed the program mildly we honestly didn't get going on a solid program like a healthy solid program until about february um which is it's actually pretty late for these guys um luckily he was rolling on the west coast so he did have some time going with that since they didn't get started until mid-March but what happened is all this accumulation of work started to kind of compile like it was just little bit by little bit by little bit and Derek is already a very strong athlete he honestly is one of those motocross racers that if he was to you know take up another sport he would be very successful within it he's just a very strong athletic person so my work with him, though there is strength components of it, it's more of the organization of putting together a program that is going to help him basically unlock that little bit extra just through organization of his strength, his cardiovascular system, and trying to match it up with his on-bike work, which I don't personally do. So he works with other people as far as that goes and takes care of himself on-bike. We're strictly working off the bike, um, in the home gym, and actually using minimal equipment. We're not doing anything too fancy, too crazy here. We're not using, you know, big barbells and bumper plates. But Derek is a great example of how consistency of work builds up into this bigger thing. And he's really been working hard, and I think the results at Atlanta 3 really showed it. But even before that, it was starting to build, you know, so he started to make some main events. Um, he missed 
Atlanta two main event just due to a, a spill while in qualifying position. But, you know, he he's really elevated his game, and I think he's feeling really good with that. He He's hungry. He wants more. He missed that top ten by half, half a second. So it was a, you know, across the finish line, probably his front tire right next to the rear tire of Cody Shock right in front of him. So he was a bit bummed about missing the top ten. But huge improvements, um, great worker. That's awesome. And yeah, you don't need anything super uh, sophisticated to get a great workout in, especially when you've got uh, someone designing a program around exactly those limitations. And and for those who uh, might be listening to this, they've got uh, a home gym that they've been working on, uh, but they're struggling to find exercises or struggling to find structure. Uh, They they can contact you and and employ your services. I, I, you're essentially, you're my trainer. Uh, we worked through that app. Uh, I'm recently coming off of my uh, shoulder dislocation, so things have been a little bit different for me in the gym as of late. Uh, but you were able, even able to accommodate that, uh, like a, an impairment or a, uh, uh, an injury and stuff like that. You're able to uh, sort of completely tailor my program to uh, to the needs of my uh, my my injured wing. Um, so if people want to get in touch with you, they can do they can do exactly that. So get, before we get too far into this, why don't we lay that down? Yeah, so pretty easy to get in contact with me. Um, my website, um, EN, which is my initials of Evan Nystrom, Lifestyle Performance. Hop on the website, you can check out um, what I offer, a little bit also about me, and, and some products that I recommend just based upon the lifestyle portion of the performance, of course. And then, of course, over on Instagram is also a really easy way to get in contact with me at the same link as my website, EN, Lifestyle Performance. Um, I'm very good about getting back to people. That you are, and, and, and we're, we're super happy about that. I'm the same way. If anyone direct messages me about how bad the show is, I get back to them right away and just block <laughs> them. Um, it's fine. Uh, no, there, there's, there's very few things that get on my nerves. In fact, I love feedback of any kind if there's someone who's listening to this right now and is like hey i hate your show give me some reasons why uh but i will definitely take it as constructive criticism and try and get better now let's talk let's talk fitness here uh let's talk conditioning because you're a strength and conditioning coach evan um where where do we want to start like like motocross is a very unique sport what what makes motocross such a unique sport in the in the idea of conditioning for it? I don't imagine you can do it like football and just head out onto the uh, nearest field and go do some wind sprints. Absolutely, yeah. The you know it's funny. So our sport, you know, especially we can talk supercross, and you know we got fifteen minute plus a, map, a lap, and then we got twenty minute plus a lap main events, right? Um, then we get to motocross where we got thirty minutes. Um, two times in a day, right? So, like, that conditioning level is super high. And if we look at sports like football, though very physical and very demanding sports, I think a football game, I believe, will last up to about three hours, but they only play for, like, maybe a fourth of that time, you know, because the the plays are short, you know, like, we're talking seven, ten seconds at a time, right? That's right. So, that type of that type of energy use is going to be really explosive, very sprinter-like, right? Mm -hmm. But it's in repetition with little breaks in between. So their heart rates will elevate, and then they'll come back down in between. Granted, yes, there's up-tempo stuff that happens in football and whatnot, but what happens in motocross 
is those heart rates spike, but there's no break. Right. That's right. You don't get to, you don't get to just be like, okay, you don't get the peaks and valleys. You just get the peaks. Exactly. Right. You just get to peak up and then you got to kind of figure out how to ride the wave as long as you can do it before it crashes. Right. And so what we're really working with there is two different energy systems. So there's the aerobic energy system, which that's when we think of aerobic fitness, that's a very generally common known thing and that's that's when we're doing exercise that is going to use oxygen meanwhile anaerobic is going to be when we do exercise that is um, without oxygen oxygen is a great energy source but when we don't have oxygen we have to use other stuff for energy so the only problem with that is it doesn't last very long we're talking about time periods of a minute to two minutes and that's what makes motocross so unique is that it puts these athletes in a state of anaerobic for prolonged periods of time, almost to the point of there's some really smart people out there that scratch their heads on how this works and why it works. And ultimately, what it really comes down to is these athletes have this ability to recycle energy differently than other athletes, which is very unique and actually very similar to like a um a triathlete who does prolonged periods of exercise for you know shoot i don't know how long a triathlon lasts to be honest but they're doing it at high intensities the whole time right right and so there's only a few sports that we can really relate motocross to i think triathlons um i believe hockey is actually super intense as far as heart rates and prolonged time and it is. Also it is, but you're also having sh- uh, you're doing shifts. Like hockey players, you're gonna do a, a 45 second burst, and then you get back to the bench as soon as possible. Otherwise, you get your head ripped off by your assistant coach. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it is. It's mo- like hockey's more like hit training, whereas motocross, like I, I've I can't remember. Who, I think it was either Jeff Spencer or another one of those uh, like just world renowned trainers that we get we have within the sport you about to be one of them um, was basically like you need to have the strength of a power lifter the endurance of a of a triathlete and the and the and the nerves of a gunfighter and you need to be in control of it and it's totally true like um, racing a dirt bike is probably as far as i'm concerned like i i've done a lot of sports i played football hockey obviously raced motocross for a long period of time. I was a competitive skier for a long period of time. And it's just, motocross asks different things than you than any other thing or any other exercise. So how do we prepare for it? How do we condition ourselves to be ready to go that long and that hard? Because that's really the difference between the top guys and the guys that are are qualifying 20th and on back is that, yeah, they might be about four seconds off per lap time and that that adds up over the course of a race but reality is is that like, i always look at the the backup times when it comes time to uh check out qualifying is like all right how fast did you go how fast did you go the second time because there's a lot of guys who can lay down one lap it's another to be able to physically ask them to do that again and again and again and the biggest difference like i said earlier is like guys like eli tomac he can lay, lay down a two flat the difference is his lap his the, the lap time on his last lap is going to be either close to it or possibly even better because he's conditioned himself to be able to deliver that lap time over and over and over. Absolutely. So 
I mean, off the bike training is really important, of course, and there's a lot of things that can be done off the bike. However, nothing's going to simulate actually being on the bike, right? So, like, these riders, and you and I, myself, we can really speak to this because we don't get to go ride as much as, you know, the professional guy that doesn't work the nine-to-five. Um, but, you know, nothing is going to compare to being on the bike because there's so much unique um, movements that occur on the bike and there's the vibrations there's of course breaking bumps jumps corners standing up sitting down um, one leg's out you know we're throwing around a 250 pound bike you know that's we can't really simulate that in the gym we just cannot do that so I mean baseline if you want better conditioning on the bike you need to find time to be on the bike and that doesn't mean hammering out at hundred percent every time you ride but even going to a practice day and doing, you know, a 20-minute moto where you're riding at 60% because you simply just need to be on the bike for that duration of time. Now, during the weekdays, there are things that we can do to help condition ourselves to be better for the weekends when we ride or we race. Um, and what we're ultimately looking for is heart rate simulation as much as possible. And that's for you and I. So let's be clear on that, Brad. That's going to be for the weekend warrior, right? So we're going to be in the gym. Let's call it Tuesday and Thursday, and we're going to ride on Saturday. We can really amplify our workouts during the, the week because we're not on the bike during the week. So we can really elevate our fitness levels and our cardiovascular fitness through the gym using things like a skier, the rowing erg, or even just doing a, you know, 80% intensity hit program. Now, if we're going to talk about the Eli Tomax, or we're going to even talk about my guy, Derek Kelly, or Brian Marty, these guys, they ride during the week. So the last thing that they need to do is have an overly stressful hit exercise in between their ride days, because they're already getting hit exercise, essentially, when they're on the bike. Their heart rates are elevated super high. Um, they're working to deplete their liver glycogen, which is a huge energy storage, and that's something that maybe gets a little deep, but that's <laughs> something that's really important for these guys. And so when it comes to them, we're actually trying to mitigate the amount of stress on the body while away from the bike, while trying to walk this tightrope of getting them to still get better off the bike. So it's a really fine line to watch. And I would be lying if I didn't say that it's a learning experience which with every person I work with because everyone responds differently and everyone can manage stress differently. Fair enough. And I agree with that. No, it, it, and that's really uh, the basis behind uh, a lot of um, like really high high end programs is, is, is having that uh, having that base and having that consistency. Absolutely. And I think, uh, I think one thing that gets a little bit lost is that we need to recover just as hard as we work, you know, so ultimately in the grand scheme of things, you can't just work yourself into the ground, you know, whether it's with strength or it's with cardiovascular work, um, you've got to let yourself recover. So if, you know, you're, you and I, we can hit it a little bit harder during the week because we're not riding during the week. So we got to kind of simulate that and yeah. so we can go ride but you know the the pros 
those guys need to recover super, super hard from their work and their, their cardiovascular system ultimately will tax their nervous system. That nervous system, if it's, if it's toast, that's the electricity of our body. So your muscles can be recovered, but if that nervous system is not firing properly, it's basically like you have a 5,000 watt bulb, but you're only sending it 250 watts. You know, you're barely giving it anything, so it's barely going to shine. Yeah, it's the the light bulb that's not getting quite enough electricity to shine brightly. Now, um, how does someone improve their conditioning uh, on a regular basis? You mentioned the skier uh, and, and, and even a rowing machine off the bike. Say, like, I, I, I'm the kind of guy that, like, I, I don't get a lot of time to ride. I, I maybe only get, like you said, maybe once, once a week uh, getting on the bike. That means over the course of two months, I'm only going to ride eight times. But over the two months, or even if three months, I want to start feeling like I've got more lungs on the bike. I'm not, I'm not pumping up so quickly. And also that comes down to uh, technique, but that's not what we're talking about here. How do you condition yourself off the bike? Absolutely. So like, yeah, the ski, obviously these tools are really important. You know, the ski erg to the rowing erg, assault bike, but not everybody's going to have access to these things, right? So that's something that needs to be remembered is, these pieces of equipment are, you know, $1,000 a pop. So if somebody doesn't have them or they don't have access to a gym which has them, let's not forget about the most natural form of exercise that we start doing when we're toddlers, and that's running, right? Oh, I was going somewhere running. else. That so was something I started around when I was 10, but all right. <laughs> well, something that hasn't been mentioned yet on here is the fact that I was a collegiate sprinter as oh, okay. well so i have i have my college background of being a sprinter so i guess maybe i started running a little bit sooner than you there fair enough fair enough fair enough um uh, <laughs> but no you're you're yeah you're a badass when it comes to uh to a- athletics man I, I i um i like running i like running when i get into running like my first the, the worst run is the first run your best run is your last run because you're you're always feeling good uh, once you like get into it, you get the, the, the pace up a little bit, uh, or, or you just start running for time. You don't even worry about pace and eventually you just figure find, find that you're, you're running a lot further over that amount of time. Uh, but yeah, no running, uh, whether it be long distance or sprinting like you, uh, it, it's, it's definitely something that we can add to our, uh, our repertoire to, uh, to make a big difference. Absolutely. So like, the thing, the biggest difference from those tools that I mentioned to running is running is primarily going to be a lot of the stress on the lower extremities, right? So when we're on the ski erg or the rower or even the salt bike, there's an upper body component with those exercises. Um, and so that's really great for motocross because we need to kind of have that upper body working really hard as well. However, when we run, the arms are just reciprocal movements to the legs. So they are working and there does actually get a lot of um, use of like the shoulder muscles and stuff when we run. However, we're not gripping stuff. So that takes away a little run bit with of handle that handlebars. Got it. Exactly, exactly. And Phoenix. so what we can do to kind of like fit that sort of stuff in and instead of it being just, you know, running, maybe we run a certain distance, call it 400 meters. And then we do something that is a body weight action. 
something of the sort of a bear crawl or a push-up, just something that is going to put some weight on the arms and put the hands on the ground to get the arms involved a little bit. And then we can pop back up and run another 400 meters. And we can kind of do this in cycles that is going to help at least get the upper body a little bit more involved. Um, and that, that's going to be a really good thing as far as training for motocross, because let's not act like the upper body is not going to be an important factor. Of course, but, absolutely. Although, uh, if you talk to Ryan Hughes, you shouldn't be gripping the bike or basically using the upper body at all. You're just putting in inputs. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, I mean, we have points of contact on the bike and, you know, our biomechanics are really important when we really start to talk about the physics on the bikes. When, you know, when it, we talk about our foot contact to our leg contact to the bike and then, of course, the hands on the bars and everything. Ultimately, Absolutely. what we really need to be aware of when it comes to the cardiovascular system is there's capillary density in the tissues of our lower extremities that doesn't exist in the upper extremities quite as much. We're just not made that way. Therefore, when we're talking about circulation of the nutrients, of the oxygen, the lower extremities have a knack for it and the upper extremities don't. So the best thing that we can do is try and just give the upper body a little more conditioning. As far as the gripping goes, yeah, don't overgrip your bike, but don't undergrip it. It is a Goldilocks. You need to find that that sweet spot where you're going to be safe and everything, but not overgripping because overgripping will lead to you know fatigue. I mean, I think that goes across the board. If you pick up a heavier weight and try and hold on to it harder, it's going to be harder than if you stay a little bit more relaxed. Facts. Hundred percent. Now, uh, a lot of people they're probably listening to this and they're wondering to themselves, like, uh, what are some mistakes that I can make when approaching a conditioning program? Uh, what are some things that like there are a lot of people starting out from the very beginning um, can can really kind of muddy things up quite quickly if if they're like kind of uh, veer off uh, or, or start out some really uh, maybe like not some bad practices, but practices that sort of uh, are, are counterintuitive in the long run. And I think that's where ha like, uh, turning to a professional like you really comes in handy is uh, kind of turning uh, basically like what I do with my program is I just like I, I, I realize that I've, I'm not a personal trainer. I don't know the ins and outs of, of uh, properly creating a program. I might be able to make an omelet, but I can't make a set of abs. So I just hand you the keys and uh and and you tell me what work to do yeah absolutely like one of the biggest things that i encounter and i have to talk to a lot of athletes and clients about is people want to go hard from the get-go you know so they're just starting into a program with oh, me yeah. maybe they they have some experience and everything and i think you're guilty of this a little bit Very. too that's why and, i got hurt first day on the bike big guy uh, no, nah, that I mean, a little bit antsy, but shit happens on the bike, of mm -hmm. course. The biggest thing is people want to go hard because we know that when we work hard, we get results. That's kind of the narrative. Work hard, you get sweaty, you're sore, must be getting better, right? It's not necessarily the case if you're just beginning. Um, slow and steady wins the race is ultimately how this works is less is more and when we're starting in a program our bodies aren't familiar with what we're doing 
So when we start training too hard, it actually puts up this like scarcity of, you know, what you're doing to the body and it will create a little bit of a negative association with these exercises and I'll have a harder time adapting. The body is very smart and intuitive. So if all of a sudden one day you start running or working on one of these machines and you're boosting your heart rate up to 180, 190 beats per minute for prolonged periods of time, the body is going to go, what the heck? Are we running from a bear? And so it's going to kind of give you everything and it has, and you're going to be capable of doing it. It's going to be the repercussions of that, that get a little bit murky. And so what's really good to do is low and steady. So hop on a bike, hop on one of these pieces of equipment, but and just work go as hard your, as you can. No, no, no. Oh. And work with a low heart rate. Oh. So something oh. of the sort that is going to be 60% of your max capacity, right? So let's just do easy math. 200 beats per minute. If we're doing 60%, that's going to be like 120 beats per minute, right? right? So that's like, that's pretty minimal. The biggest thing with doing that is you're building up a foundation to work off of. And I use a, a house as an analogy. Is like you can have this beautiful house with, you know, great siding, great paint, looks immaculate. But if you skipped out on the foundation, there's going to be a problem eventually. Yeah, that's why people, so, uh, as a bricklayer, I get calls every spring that people got water in their basement. I'm like, yeah, it's because your fitness program's not working. <laughs> exactly exactly now we just want that and another good analogy is a pyramid right you know we don't want that that skinny tall pyramid we want the big equilateral pyramid you know i think the egyptians can really show us that that's how that works the best as those pyramids yeah <laughs> so that's that's kind of the big thing is like we want to set a good foundation to build upon and when you start too hard your foundation is going to be shitty and you're not going to be able to go very far. What that leads to is potential injury. It leads to overtrain syndrome, which is a real thing where you're, you're essentially beating your body to a pulp and your immune system will drop down. You'll quit recovering and you actually will start to have some weird emotions during that as well. Fair enough. I, 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 I had no idea all my mood swings were because I'm trying too hard in the gym. I'm going to have to, uh, I, have, I have something else to blame nowadays. That's fantastic. I'll have to let my girlfriend know. Um, <laughs> so when, when we're not, we're like, we want to start slow. We want to like ease our stuff into it. No different than practice. We want to like get a couple of easy laps in before we uh, just go uh, like pedal to the metal and throw down that heater. Um, What's most important when it comes to uh, like progressive overload as far and, and like eventually uh, starting to ramp that up? How does someone go about doing that? What are some uh, some like good kind of techniques to do? And what what other things can also uh, can get you in trouble? Yeah. So the word you just used there, progressive overload, is a fantastic um, thing to touch on. So progressive overload training is going to be working in cycles about four to six weeks where you basically start with a certain load upon the body. And I'll, I'll use the cardiovascular load as an example. So say you go running for two miles. 
So week two, twenty minute run. You come back. Mm, Fifteen minute run. <laughs> you come back and you run two and a half miles. Week three, you run three miles, and you keep building upon that. But the beauty of a progressive overload is a deload week. And so how I personally work with individuals on this is in four-week cycles where week one builds into week two, which builds into week three. And then week four, we actually pull back the load. We pull back the intensity to allow the body to rebuild. Because in those first three weeks, the body is in a catabolic state, always being broken down. So week four, though active, the everything backs down and that lets the body switch to an anabolic state, which is a building state rather than the breakdown state. And so progressive overload essentially is a linear line, but if you look at it closely, you're going to see a lot of this up, up, down, down, up, up, down, down type thing happening dur- during it. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that's the best way that you can treat your body because if you're not letting recovery occur and you're not letting these adaptations occur, you're going to plateau. Eventually, that linear line that is going to be at the 45-degree angle will kind of teeter off and start to flatten out and potentially even drop. So I think that's one of the most important things for people that are just starting into programs is giving themselves enough breaks to get that adaptation and get that recovery um, but remember that you can still stay active during that time. That's really important. And th- those are some s- really key elements that could be very well kind of change some people's program uh, around and be able to uh, just honestly, like my the reason why I want to have you on as frequently as we have you on, we're trying to do this on a monthly basis. Sometimes we slip a week. Sometimes we have you on too, off, uh, too often for – uh, like we're just, you just, you're just here. You're just, you're, uh, you're like loitering in the big MX radio lobby. Um, <laughs> but, uh, like what this is all directed at is not only, uh, getting some fitter motocross racers, uh, and people who are competing in the sports and we're going to, uh, hopefully we can get some, uh, turn some of my listeners into some clients of yours, but also to add some, uh, some stability and some safety because i i think that uh fit riders are 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 safer riders in the fact that you're more physically prepared to ride and you get to enjoy it that much more like imagine if like for me like i'm a three-lap wonder if you were able to turn me into a four-lap wonder you literally have just increased my enjoyment of the sport or my my ability to take in the sport of motocross by 33 percent that's significant just by going, being able to me to hold on for one more lap uh, for every practice session I go out there and, and, and spin my mediocre lap times. Um, and I think that's huge. And I think that's really why, uh, why the two of us are, are on the phone once a month. Absolutely. I, I think you've nailed it on the head with that. You know, I, whether it's, you know, the weekend warrior or the pro, I, I think we all just want to be able to be safe and be strong and also, you know, have this sense of knowledge around what we're doing and why we're doing it, you know, because ultimately you can go to the gym and you can follow that structure, which I spoke about, the progressive overload. Um, but knowing why you're doing what you're doing and the points behind it, it, there's so much value in that, just so that you're not your brain's not going to be wondering like, why the hell am I doing this? You know, there's an answer to the, why the hell am I doing this? Because there's always going to be that exercise or that workout routine that you're like, I hate this. I, you know, this doesn't jive with me. It doesn't excite me. 
But if you have the reason why behind why you're doing it, you're going to be that much more likely to do it and get the benefits from it. There you go. Yeah. And it's for sure. Like if you're, uh, if you're out there running, you're like, why am I doing this? I don't know what, what, what's, what's the end goal here. Uh, you have a whole, uh, you don't really have a lot of motivation or you have a hard, harder time grabbing the motivation to go out and do it. And after this conversation, I think I'm going to have to do exactly that. I'm going to have to go out for a run. It's an absolutely gorgeous day up here in uh, the great white North of Canada. Uh, snow is still melting, although I think there's still some more on the way. Damn it. Uh, but, uh, this has been fun, Evan. I, I love having you on the show. I love connecting with you. And, uh, uh, how about a final message to, uh, to those listening that might be interested in either working with you or, or just getting more and more fit in general? Absolutely. So like I mentioned, um, easy to contact me through my website, ianlifestyleperformance.com, um, or my Instagram at the same tag. Um, I do post on my Instagram quite a bit. I try and go through these cycles of kind of some, some teaching, whether it's warm-ups, um, just some general exercises that you can incorporate into what you're already doing that has a little bit of focus around some motocross and also just some focus around some general health and stuff. I am a big advocate of taking care of ourselves from the cellular level. So there's going to be some stuff on my Instagram that's going to maybe be some things that maybe you've never seen before. Um, but I am always open to questions and, you know, hop on, ask me anything. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. I love chatting with new people. So I'm definitely free to do that anytime. And I think one of the biggest things rolling forward with, you know, my own business and being on here with you, Brad, is just building relationships in this motocross community that we have. I think we have a very unique sport um, that, you know, it speaks the language across borders. And I think that's really special. Absolutely. It is. And also uh, gives a, a few fans a little bit of a peek into the, uh, the, the fitness regimen uh, imposed on some of these top flight superstars. And uh, hopefully you'll be working with some of them in uh in the coming years of course uh not not to uh discount the the great Derek kelly uh but um yeah maybe, maybe take that guy to a championship and uh and that would be super super special um evan nystrom on the big mx radio podcast we appreciate the time my friend we'll have to do this again in one month time absolutely i look forward to it awesome do not hang up just yet but for podcast sake we're going to cut it off right there